0: hello real life family happy easter to you and to your family and if you're visiting with us uh, happy easter to you happy resurrection sunday Uh, glad that you could tune in with us as we celebrate the resurrection of our lord and savior jesus christ and i pray life upon you when i think about the resurrection it's all about life and i pray uh, for life the life of jesus to consume in you, to swallow up in you any remnants of death or brokenness or darkness in his name, that you will be filled with life and abundance and prosperity and freedom and revelation because of his resurrection that is still at work today in us who believe. Amen? Amen. Well, happy Easter to you. I'm excited to bring this message to you today. And my goal today is for everyone to hear this, who hears this message while you're watching this message, that everyone who hears this message uh, places their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and crosses over from death to life. We all need saving. And if you're not sure where you stand with God Today at the end of this message, I'm going to invite you to place your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you can be sure that you too are saved and your sins are forgiven and life is ha- life is beginning to swallow up death in us and for the rest of our life and the rest of our eternity. We get to spend that resurrection life with him. So Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 to 10, I'm just going to read this one little passage just to celebrate with us uh, what happened on this special day many years ago. It says, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And ran to tell his disciples, and suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Happy resurrection, right? Jesus is alive. Death could not hold him because he conquered death, he conquered sin, and now he is a risen, alive Savior for you and for me. The gospel in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8, is all based on the authenticity of Jesus' resurrection. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. By this good news of Jesus, paying for our sins and rising from the dead, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. If Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, but he did. In verse 3, Paul says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Paul says, this is the gospel. God showed up, Jesus came, he lived a life without sin, he died for our sins, he was buried, and yet on the third day, on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, God raised him from the dead, authenticating that his sacrifice for our sins was accepted, and we can be forgiven and made new in him. That's what we're celebrating today. We celebrate Easter. We know that this is the day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and that he came out of the tomb, and he defeated death. And he created a path of life for us who believe in him, right? A path out of death, a path out of darkness, into life, into light in him. He created this path with his own blood. And Jesus has made access to the forgiveness of sins. He has made a way for us to be reunited in relationship with God. He's made a way for Uh, the power of sin to be broken off of our lives and he's provided healing and restoration of the sin that we've done and the effects of sin done to us he's provided a means to recover and heal from that sin and ultimately Jesus defeated death and on our behalf has given us eternal life through his shed blood if we place our faith in him It's what Easter is all about. This is the beginning, you know, of of our faith. It's all based on that Jesus actually is the Son of God. He actually rose from the dead and it validated all of his teachings, all of his word, and all of his work on our behalf. You know, last week we looked at the key principle of how the blood being shed makes atonement for our lives. And in the Old Testament, that was done through sheep and goats and bulls. Uh, And it was a temporary cover, but it was not a permanent fix because the blood of goats or animals or sheep, that that does not uh, compare to the blood of human beings. It doesn't pay the full price, does it? And so we needed human blood shed on our behalf, but that blood can only be shed by someone who doesn't already owe that same debt of death or shedding of blood. And so we needed Jesus. We needed Jesus, the Son of God, who came and was without sin, who decided to be our atoning sacrifice. He became the Lamb of God, right, on our behalf to pay for our sin. And we talked about that last week, how seven different ways Jesus shed his blood to completely and perfectly atone for our entire life. Not just our body, but our spirit and our soul. Right, Jesus paid for our sin, our sicknesses, our diseases, our griefs, our sorrows. Um, every part of who we are, Jesus bled to redeem us and atone for us. There isn't a slice of who you are that Jesus hasn't paid blood to redeem. So real quick, I just want to summarize these seven points I made last week and then pick up where I left off for today's message, okay? And today's message is the victory of the kingdom, Last week, we talked about the king of the kingdom, which is Jesus, and what he did for us. What kind of king would actually give his life for his people? Usually in our world, we see kings do just the opposite. He makes everybody else give up for for him to have what he wants. But our king gave everything up so we could have life in him and through him. And here's how he did it. Number one, Jesus' sweat drops of blood to redeem us in the Garden of Gethsemane from mental anguish. And because of that, we can have peace of mind. We can have peace of mind. We can have mental health because Jesus dropped bloods of mental strain and anguish for us to redeem us. Number two, he was beaten and bruised to redeem us from internal hurts and to restore our soul. The bleeding under the skin, the internal bleeding, just symbolizes the internal hurts that all of us have had. And Jesus took all that upon himself, even betrayals and mockery and uh, ridicule and alienation and rejection so that we can be healed of our internal hurts and wounds, that our soul could be restored. Number three, Jesus was scourged or whipped or striped to redeem us from sickness and disease so we can be healed and made whole physically. Praise the Lord. Number four, Jesus wore a crown of thorns to restore us with a crown of glory. He took our poverty and made us rich in him. When we walked away from God, when we sinned, the land was cursed, the work of our hands, the places that we worked, um, that we were going to then have to depend on ourselves. And we were under the curse of self-sufficiency. We walked away from God. We said, we're going to do this on our own. And, and then we were under the curse of toil and sweat and strain and thorns and thistles. And Jesus took that curse and he let it be put right on his head, and he gave us his crown of glory that he gave up in heaven so that we could be lifted up, we could have prosperity and success again, and that his blessing would be upon us. Why? Because we leave our independence and we come back under our dependence upon God. We leave our personal lordship of our own life, our own ownership, and we surrender our life to Christ, and we let him be our king, we let him be our lord, and by doing that, he becomes our provider for us, not, our, not we become the provider for ourselves. We come out of that curse when we surrender our lives to Jesus. Number five, Jesus' feet were pierced to redeem us from walking away from God. We walked away from God. We left our relationship with God. And Jesus' feet were pierced so that we could no longer be separated from God. But now we get to walk in fellowship with him. Now wherever we go, God is with us, He's with you, if you've placed your faith in Jesus. You are restored in relationship to your Heavenly Father, and you can't go anywhere where His Spirit isn't with you anymore. Now His favor is upon you, and you're in fellowship with God because of what Jesus has done. Wow! Number six, His hands, of course, were pierced to redeem us from the curse again of of all that toil and labor. and now. Whatever we do, God is blessing the work of our hands, that we are called to fruitful labor, not toilless, fruitless labor by the sweat of our brow, but we are called to do the works that God created us to do, and those are to be fruitful and to multiply. And as we rest in Him, as we abide in Him, He says that He he Himself is the vine, and we become fruitful by relying on Him to live through us. So when we rely on God... We abandon our self-sufficiency and our pride, and Jesus is our Lord and Savior and King, and we follow him. He blesses the work of our hands, and he causes us to have a fruitful life. And then finally, number seven, Jesus's heart was pierced to remove all of our hurts and to make us whole again. Jesus died of a broken heart for you and for me, and, and he wants your heart to be completely restored to him. Now. I want to pick up from here and add to this idea. In the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would make these sacrifices, and only on this one day could he go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant was. And so there's this curtain that separated the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, and the holy place, and then the courtyard. The high priest... Only one time a year on the Day of Atonement could go through the curtain into the very presence of God. In the Old Testament, the presence of God hovered above the Ark of the Covenant. They call that the atonement seat or the cover, uh, the, the atoning cover of the Ark. Above the Ark and the two cherubim that were kind of like made into statues or something on top of the Ark, right there between the wings of the cherubim, the presence of God hovered. Okay, So the high priest goes in one time a year into the most holy place, the presence of God. And this is what happens. Leviticus uh, chapter uh, 16, verse 14. He, the high priest, is to take some of the bull's blood with his finger, sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. So the high priest has taken the sacrifice, is going into the presence of God, and he's sprinkling the blood right onto the mercy seat or the atonement cover of the ark, right where God's presence hovers. And he's sprinkling the blood how many times? Seven times. And Jesus bled seven times for you and for me. And here's the power of this. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, and I'm going to read a couple more verses later, Says he, Jesus, did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. While the priests in our history, in this world, came into the presence of God when there was a temple with the blood of animals to make atonement temporarily for us, Jesus didn't do that. Says he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood thus obtaining eternal redemption eternal redemption the blood of jesus is so far superior than the blood of animals and anyone else's blood because his blood was pure and without sin and he qualified to do the one to be the one's and for all final complete and perfect sacrifice and atonement for your sins and my sins and my healing and your healing, and my restoration, and your restoration, and all these things we just talked about. A perfect, complete, and final atonement for all of that. And he didn't go into the temple made of man's hands with cedar and stone and gold and uh, closed by a curtain. He didn't go into that. He went into the Holy of Holies in heaven, into the very presence of God himself. And he sprinkled his blood, not the blood of animals, in the presence of God for you and for me. This is what Hebrews says in verses uh, 9, chapter 9, 21 to 28. Listen to this. In the same way, just as, uh, in the same way, he, the high priest, okay, sprinkled with the blood, both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. In other words, the temple, the tabernacle, and so on. The Bible says were copies or shadows of the real thing, which is in heaven, where God is in a real temple, the real temple in heaven in the spiritual realm, there are a physical copy made here on earth, right? The temple itself was a physical copy, but not the real thing. And the high priest was, was uh, a shadow of what Jesus was going to be, who's going to be the real priest. And the blood of the animals was a temporary shadow of the real blood of Jesus that was going to permanently set us free. And pay for our complete atonement. So that's what Hebrews is saying. So here we go. This is where it all comes together. Verse 24. Excuse me. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands, that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Can you imagine this? nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the holy place every year with the blood that's not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer or die or be crucified many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. He is the perfect and complete Solution and sacrifice for everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. Verse 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Hebrews 10 verses 12 to 14 says, When this priest, and we're talking about Jesus now, When Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's you and me. The the act of atonement is complete for you and for me. Jesus did it all one time, for all time, so you could have eternal life in Him. You could be restored and healed and forgiven right now. That death can be swallowed up by life right now through what He did for us. He went into heaven. Can you picture this? We know that Jesus was uh, was resurrected. I think He had a short conversation with Mary, and He said something like this. He says, "Oh, don't don't touch me now. I." have yet to get go to heaven. I need to go to heaven. I need to go to my father, he said, in heaven. What what was he talking about? He was talking about this. He was resurrected, I believe. He went into the presence of God, as the Hebrews we just read, went into the presence of God. And this is how I picture it, at least. Okay? Maybe it wasn't like this, but you know what I'm saying. It's just my imagination of the seven different ways that he bled. And I could see him touching his his brow where he sweat those drops of Of blood in the garden and he took took his finger and in the presence of God he sprinkled that and then he took you know some of the blood from the the hands he says he's and he went you know reverse that curse now my now now that curse is dealt with and they can be prosperous he touched his side and their hearts can be healed and he touched his his brow where where the thorns uh, uh, and the thistles were sticking in his skull and he sprinkled that blood And he sprinkled the blood from his feet and he and he and he sprinkled that blood seven times. And it wasn't the blood of some lamb or some goat or some bull. It was his blood that he went into the very presence of God for you to pay legally to redeem you completely from sickness, from poverty, from sin, from brokenness and from death itself. That's the power of the resurrection. Do you see what I'm saying, how exciting this is? This is what it's all about, that you no longer are held captive to sin. You're no longer held captive to sickness. You're no longer held captive to grief or to uh, depression, to brokenness, uh, and to death, that Jesus' resurrection and his shed blood has made a way for each and every one of us to be healed and restored in him. And he goes on to say this later. He says, I in the resurrection and the life, right? And if you believe in me, even though you die, yet shall you live. What is is he saying? He's saying, even though your body may stop working, you are already um, in the flow of eternal life. Your spirit is alive. I'll give you a new body. Don't worry about it. You're not even going to miss a Heartbeat, You know, kind of upon there. Your heart stops beating, but your, your, your heart does not determine your life. Your spirit does. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But this is what Jesus has done for us. So it says here in Romans 3.25, I mentioned this verse last week. It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. That's what I'm asking each person to do today is to receive Jesus Christ by faith. Today, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I place my faith in you. I trust in you that what you did, purchased for me forgiveness of sin and eternal life and all these other benefits that we've been talking about. I trust in you. I put my life into your hand. I surrender to you. I need you. I declare that you are my Lord and my Savior. It has to be received by faith. Can't just hear about it. We need to do something about it. What we do is we believe and we trust in him to be saved. So I want to go on uh, to this passage in Colossians. These are some of the other things that happened in this process of resurrection weekend, okay? From Good Friday to Sunday morning. It says here in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, when you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you were dead. You were a dead man walking, right? God made you alive with Christ. How did he do this? It says, he forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So the analogy that's being used here is that your sin and your failures legally had condemned you to death. And that's what the scriptures say. Sin results in death. The wages of sin is death. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So you need to shed your blood for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to die for your sins. However, this is what Jesus did for us. He took our payment for us on the cross. And in a sense, he took all the legal indebtedness, all of your legal papers of all of your sin, all the things you've done wrong. And I have a, I have a folder here that just represents that. I know. I know. I'm a real person. Your folder my folder is a lot thicker than this. Okay. If you were going to put down all the, get out a big old filing cabinet, take all the folders out, and page by page, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, this was off, this was wrong, man, we would have a whole stack of these things, probably a whole cabinet full, right? Filing cabinet full of these. And the Bible says Jesus took all of the legal documents that were condemning you, that were accurate and, and truly deserved a penalty of death, he took them all, And the Bible says he nailed them to the cross. So I'm going to nail this packet to the cross. If this was your sin, all of your records, all of your deeds that were wrong. It says here that Jesus took all of that. We're going to see if we can knock this into the cross here. And he nailed it to the cross. And he did that figuratively by shedding his blood. But his blood was a legal transaction for you and for me. It can't get any more Legal than what Jesus has done in the spiritual realm. God himself said it's the shedding of blood that makes atonement for one's life. When Jesus shed his blood, all of your mistakes, all of your sin, all of your failures, the worst ones, the little ones, all of them, were nailed to the cross when Jesus was nailed to the cross because he who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We made an exchange with Jesus. Jesus gives us forgiveness and his righteousness, and he takes upon himself on the cross our failure and our sin. Wow. And when Jesus rose from the grave, it validated everything that he did on that cross. It proved he is the Son of God, that his sacrifice was accepted on your behalf, that he went into heaven and finished sprinkling the blood to make atonement for you. There is nothing more that can be done to make you any more righteous in the eyes of heaven, in the eyes of God, except for you to accept it and to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I do want to say this, that you have, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you have a legal right. You have legal standing to be forgiven, to be healed, to be restored in his blood, under his blood. Hallelujah. So I'm going to just keep pounding this into our hearts today. There's another passage uh, of Jesus in John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30, the last moments of Jesus's earthly life, Okay. He's on the cross, he's about ready to surrender, commit his spirit into the hands of God. And he says this, listen to this. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, knowing that everything had now been finished, Jesus just went through all of this process. He knows that it was finished. He shed his blood all the different ways, he knew that the fullness of his atonement was now finished. All of the blood was shed. All of the areas were covered. He did everything the Lord told him to do, God told him to do. He's on the cross. It's all of this work for your redemption is finished in his mind. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, says Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on, a, on the stalk of a hyssop plant, lifted it to Jesus' lips, It says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Hallelujah. What was he saying? He wasn't saying, okay, I'm over. I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I lost. No, no. He wasn't thinking about that. He was thinking about your atonement, your redemption, the redemption of mankind, that he did what his father sent him to do, and he finished the work. It was complete and perfect. It was finished. Mark fifteen thirty-seven 37 says uh, the same kind of idea, the different perspective. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. I believe that loud cry was, it is finished. It was a shout of victory. It wasn't a whisper of defeat. It was a shout of redemption. A shout of victory for you and for me and for all who will believe. And the ripple effects of that shout, of that proclamation, are still being felt today for everybody who hears the gospel and chooses to trust and believe in Jesus. They are saved right now. And the power of what Jesus did comes alive in their life immediately. And they cross over from the line of death to life. And eternity is theirs in him and through him. So in Mark fifteen thirty-seven, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There was no more separation between God and his presence and mankind. Why? Because the atoning blood had removed all barriers. Now we could all be the high priest in a sense. We could all come into the presence of God because there was atonement made for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says, and when the centurion... Who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry, and saw how he died. He said, Surely this man was the Son of God. There was an awareness of what Jesus said, with the conviction he said it, and how he surrendered his spirit to God. That was a moment of incredible significance that the centurion witnessed, and he knew immediately Whoa, this is the Son of God! Of course, the temple, there's an earthquake, all crazy kinds of crazy things start happening because there's just this cataclysmic, the kingdom of God just broke in to the kingdom of darkness and began to take over. <laughs> oh, man, so awesome. Another part of, of uh, the cross experience uh, that led to our full atonement, I want to share with you in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is really a psalm picturing Jesus on the cross and is atoning for us. The very first verse of this um, psalm starts by saying this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you heard those words before? These were the words that Jesus said on the cross earlier while he's hanging on the cross. When a rabbi would quote scripture, if they were trying to draw people's attention to a passage of scripture, they would often quote the very first verse of that passage. And everybody who was a, a devout uh, Jew would have memorized the Torah uh, growing up. And just by referencing the first verse of a passage, it would bring to recollection to people the, pa- the whole passage of scripture. So Jesus is on the cross and people are like, look at him, he's crying out for God. He's saying, why God, why, why have you forsaken me? But he wasn't just doing that. He was actually drawing people's attention to Psalm 22. And he was saying to everybody who was there, and he's saying to us today, look at the words in Psalm 22. This is what is happening right in front of you right now. Now I want to read a couple of these verses in Psalm 22. See if you don't see what Jesus was trying to get people to understand. In the Psalm, it's about him. In verses 6 to 8, he says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men. And despised by the people, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. The people were saying, and this is exactly what was going on at the cross. Jesus was felt. Um, you know, he's being ridiculed. He's being made fun of. He's being mocked. Let him call out to God if he can raise the dead. Why does he? Why does uh, he call out to God to raise him off that cross? In verses 12. Um, through 18. It says, roaring lions, tearing, no, verses 12, many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a pot sherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. All these things were happening to Jesus. He's surrounded by an angry mob. These people are mocking him and uh, just, you know, picking on him. His his bones were aching and out of joint. His heart was beginning to swell from the stress and tension uh, on him. His mouth was dry. And later it says, uh, verse 16, Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. Listen to this. They have pierced my hands. And my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. All this is what's happening and about to happen right now when Jesus is on the cross. And he quotes the first verse to tell people this is what's happening. Right now it's happening. This is what's going on. In verse 27, all the ends of the earth, oh, but this is how the psalm ends. This is how it ends. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, to Jesus. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Every knee will bow, right? Every tongue will confess that what? Jesus is Lord. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust, those who die, will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive Listen to the last two verses. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. The psalm starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the psalm ends, he has done it. That can also be translated as, it is finished well think about that Jesus said the beginning and at the very end of the cross he said the end of Psalm 22 and said that's who I am this is what's going on right now I am paying for everyone's sins and I will uh, I will finish what I started and now when he said it is finished the salvation has come to mankind for all who believe I I think it's worth you thinking about that and reading Psalm 22 in light of the cross and appreciating what Jesus was really doing there. He wasn't just saying words. He was fulfilling prophecy, and he's pointing people to himself. But when he said it's finished, it is finished. Don't let the devil lie to you that's saying, well, you can't be healed. You can't be changed. You can't be transformed. You know, it's this God. God still... Uh, is upset with you. You're you're still not good enough. You're still not worthy enough. You still haven't done enough. Don't listen to any of those lies because Jesus has paid for your full atonement. And you can be healed. You can be made new. You are forgiven. You are his child. You have a purpose. You have everything that you need. You have everything that you need through Jesus. And so um, this is the power that I want you to feel on this Resurrection Sunday I want the resurrection of Jesus to come upon you and your soul, your spirit, your body, that resurrection takes place in you, that God redeems your thoughts, your heart, your hurt, your life, your dreams, your purpose, and that you, you just begin to feel the life just overcoming the darkness, right? Overcoming the brokenness. And so the other analogy I want to give you real quick Is on the cross, Jesus was paying for your eternal redemption from sin and purchasing for you eternal life. And he was paying a debt, if you will, for you and for me. He was writing a check. Let's say he's writing out a check. And on on Friday, he writes out the check. And on Sunday morning, the check cleared. (laughs) The resources were released. The check was authenticated. The payment was complete, and the storehouse of heaven was opened for you and for me. The check cleared. I don't know if you've ever had a a big check. I had a big check recently. I was refinancing uh, one of my uh, properties, and uh, I'm going to use that money to get some other properties. Anyway, I had this huge check, and it was in my wallet for like six, seven days, and I finally thought, man, I really need to turn that check in because that check's not doing me any good sitting in my wallet. It's not authenticated. It's not in the bank. It's not doing anything for me. And I looked at it. I think it said something like expires, you know, 90 days. I'm like, whoa, wouldn't that be terrible if I had this huge check and it expired on me and 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 I lost everything? And I think about Jesus. Jesus filled out a huge check for you. We just talked about all the areas of your life. There isn't a single area of your life that Jesus didn't pay for you. But not everybody has cashed in that check. Not everybody has, you know, uh, made good of what God has done for us. So say say to yourself, say this with me, it's time to cash in. (laughs) It's time to cash in on what Jesus has done for you and for me. Paul puts it this way, you know, he he says something like in Philippians, I'm not there yet, I haven't attained all this. Um, But it says, what I do is I'm forgetting about the past and I am pressing towards to lay hold of everything for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Paul's saying there is more ground for me to get. There's more more resources for me to access. I know Jesus laid hold of all these things for me, but now I need to go ahead and grab a hold of that and, and make good on it. And so instead of disease, Jesus has health for you, right? Joy instead of depression. He has freedom instead of bondage. Hope instead of despair. He has faith for us instead of fear. We are not to be living in fear. He has prosperity for us instead of poverty. He has forgiveness for us instead of walking in guilt and shame and condemnation. And he has life for us instead of death. Have you cashed these checks? Have you made good on what Jesus has done for you? Your legal grounds for these things, health, joy, freedom, hope, love, Faith, prosperity, forgiveness, life, your legal grounds to access these is the blood of Jesus. And when he says it is finished, it is finished. Hallelujah. He is the Son of God. Real life is in him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He Actually, everything he said is true. Everything was validated. You can believe in him and you can count on him. We are on a journey of resurrection, aren't we? The rest of our lives, we are on this journey of accessing this new life. We're on the journey of allowing God to swallow up our death with his life, our brokenness with his freedom, our sickness with his, with his health, right? Our, our hurt with his healing. And, and we are on this journey. And today as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, what better way to celebrate that than to actually taste of resurrection life in us? You have legal grounds. You, you can be revived. You can be freed. You can be straightened. You can be mended. You can be healed. You can be forgiven. You can be made new because of what Jesus did, not what you need to do. It is by faith that we access all these promises of God. Today, I invite you to place your faith in him. My final thought to share with you is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 to 58. This is a lengthy passage. Let me read it for you. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. You and I will experience a physical resurrection as well. But before we do, we need to have a spiritual resurrection resurrection let me continue if there is a natural body there is also a spiritual body so it is written the first man Adam became a life or a living being the last Adam Jesus a life-giving spirit the spiritual did not come first but the natural and after that the spiritual in this case Adam was born natural but he needed to be born spiritual the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man, Jesus, is from heaven, spiritual. You remember the Bible, I read it last week, that uh, the angel of the Lord said to Mary, uh, the baby that is within you is conceived of the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual conception, not a physical conception. So Jesus was of God from heaven. goes on, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. Remember that for a second. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, in that sin, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus, if we switch over, if we place our faith in him. So we got a choice here. We can remain under Adam, sin, and The spiral of that sin leads to death. Or we can come under the new or last Adam, Jesus. The spiritual rebirth and the spiral up from there is life. You're either going to spiral down under Adam to death or you're going to spiral up in Jesus to life. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, our fallen nature, nor does the perishable inherit The imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. (laughs) Wow, that's going to be amazing. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the... the, uh, imperishable, and immortal mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But here's the verse I want to really highlight. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory over death and over all these other things. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus had no idea what he's talking about. What do you mean born again? So Jesus says this in verses 5 to 6, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Water refers to being born naturally. Uh, When uh, my wife's water broke, it was time to head to the hospital really fast, right? Because we had a baby coming. So when you're born of the water, it symbolizes natural birth. Jesus says you need to be born first naturally, but then you need to be born Of the Spirit, you need to be born again. You're born under Adam, natural. But now you need to be born under Jesus, spiritual. Okay? And so how do you do that? Jesus says flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So Jesus said it this way, John 3, 16 to 18. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That's him. He's talking about himself that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You are born again under Adam. You're born into sin, but you're born again under Jesus spiritually when you trust and believe in him by faith. So Jesus goes on to say, God didn't send Jesus, his son, into the world to condemn the world or make us feel bad or guilty or something like that, but to save the world. Through him, through his sacrifice. So whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever believes in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in Jesus stands condemned already, right? Because we're under Adam. We're born into sin. We're already bound by sin. We're already under a death penalty for our sin because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so you're either under Adam or you're under Jesus. Jesus says this quite simply. In for, or it's said of Jesus quite simply, in First John 5:12, "Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And that's what this is all about. Easter Sunday is about God raising Jesus to life as the first fruits of all of our resurrection for those who believe in him you can have life in Jesus but you can't have it any other way to get it we need to surrender from the the natural side to the spiritual side we need to switch from Adam to Jesus and we need to place our faith in him This is why we celebrate Easter. This is why this is the the cornerstone of our belief and the the beginnings of, of everything for us when we cross over from death to life through faith in Jesus. Would you do that today? Would you join me in this prayer? If your heart says, I want to be sure I am saved. I want to be sure that I am under Jesus, that I'm under his covering and under his blood. I want to begin to cash in, right? I want to begin to access the promises that God has for me in my life. Then pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Say, Jesus, thank you that you came not to condemn me, but to save me. You came not to lecture me with a religion, but to give me a relationship. And so today I surrender my life to you. I repent from self-sufficiency from the curse of living life on my own, from walking away from you, doing my own thing. Today, I place my faith in you. I trust in you and I surrender all that I am to you. And I thank you for bringing me new life today, that today I am born again, born of the Spirit. And all my sins are forgiven. And all these other precious promises are now accessible to me because I come under your atoning blood that you made in heaven itself for my my salvation, for my healing, for my wholeness. I'm all yours. I ask that you fill me with your spirit now so I have your power to live this new life in you. In Jesus' name I trust, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me and you got right with God, you are born again. And the greatest miracle on this planet has just happened in your life. And God is with you and he's going to begin to renew you and change you from the inside out. So keep, you know, get a Bible, start reading the Bible, come to church or keep watching and get connected with other believers so you can grow in your awareness of who you are in him and what he's got for you, which is an awesome and great purpose for your life. So happy Easter to you and your family. I want to pray a blessing on you. Hope to see you soon. I love you. I'm praying for you, praying for God's will to be done in your life and that life will consume any remnants of darkness or brokenness in you, that you will shine brighter and brighter as he continues that good work that he promised to finish what he started in you and in me. Hallelujah. He's a finisher. Aren't you glad about that? (laughs) So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom, in his name. Amen, amen. Hope to see you soon.